When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Eric McMahon. Michigan offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis spoke about his side of the ball for close to an hour, touching on the QBs, the wide receivers, and every other position group. What were the key takeaways? There's been some recruiting moves lately, and we'll break them down for you. That and more on the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. A second podcast of the week. I'd say it's good to see it, but you know, eh, once a week is fine for me. Not I got nice, nothing. Andrew. Yeah. Not nice. <laughs> uh, we got Josh Gaddis, you know, on a Zoom call, you know, talking about all sorts of things. He talks quickly, packs a lot of words into his sentences, uh, and there was some, there was some legitimate, you know, information um, in there. Um, and I think we should start with quarterback. He was asked about Joe Milton, but he also spoke about Cade McNamara. I think we're going to have a little little bit of healthy debate on this particular podcast. Let's start with Aaron here because I know his view might differ maybe from, from, from mine and Ryan's. I guess what was your takeaway from what Gaddis said about the quarterbacks? Uh, well, he, he, along with, you know, we've heard this from several other folks now, but he, he felt like, you know, Joe Milton has taken a step forward in his pocket presence and his confidence and, and everything else that we've, you know, kind of been hearing the last few months. You know, the question coming into this off season was, Hey, who's going to be starting quarterback? We still don't technically have an answer just yet, but Milton seems to be the front, front runner at this point. You know, we, we've heard a lot about his arm as we talked about and, and Josh was asked about his arm. He says that, you know, Joe has been able to kind of bring it all in, so to speak, kind of take some RPMs off. I think it was the, the reference he used because that was the concern. You know, Joe's accuracy has been, been an issue and part of that is because he throws the ball so hard. Uh, we've heard from you know defensive backs, especially last year, Levert Hills, on several occasions, uh, making reference that he was he would go out of his way not to catch the football because Joe threw it so hard. And I think that was a concern with the receivers too. That when you when you, you know, whiz the ball in there and try to get it to them as fast as you can, you know you, you might create some problems there. So that was been that's been the you know obviously the big part of, of getting Joe ready. You know, with Dylan McCaffrey out of the equation now, then it, it basically has become, you know, at least in, in Josh and, and the coaching staff's words, a two-man race with with Kate McNamara, redshirt freshman. Ryan Zook, you're shaking your head. Why? <laughs> yeah, because it, it's not a two-man race. I mean, there's there, uh, there's no way that Josh Gaddis is the ultimate hype man. He he's, was the same thing last year when he first came in and was hyping up the speed and space offense and, and, and a lot of the personnel on the offense, but... I mean, th- this is Joe Milton's job now. I mean, he's clearly won the job over Dylan McCaffrey, and there's no way Michigan's going to rely on a sophomore like like Kay McNamara to, to lead this program when when they've had Joe Milton waiting in the wings. So 
in my, in my opinion that, yeah, he's going to say what he said, but it, it's clearly Joe Milton's job and he will be the starter in my opinion on week one. No questions asked. Unless of course there's a, a COVID outbreak or an injury, but right now I would say he's the clear cut number one. No, I said, I genuinely agree with you. I do think Joe Milton is the front runner at this point. If I had to put a place a bet on this, I would put my money on Joe Milton, but this isn't the same situations we saw last year, 2018 with Jay Patterson, where we knew right away, he was the clear cut guy. Uh, he had proven himself and everything else. Joe Milton remains unproven as, as we've seen. I mean, he's only played in a handful of football games. He hasn't started a game. Uh, we, we've heard a lot about his, his arm and everything else, but we haven't seen him be able to put it together in a, a complete game yet. Now, obviously, Key McNamara remains even an even bigger mystery. He didn't play in a single game last year. He was redshirted as a true freshman. Uh, we can only kind of go off of what he did in high school. But I, I do think the gap here is a lot closer than in previous years, whether it was 2015 when Jim Harbaugh brought in Jake Rudock or even 2018 and 2019 when we knew Shea Patterson was the guy. That isn't the case this year. We've got two unproven guys, um, largely inexperienced guys at the college level. And I think that's why, yeah, yeah, I think Josh is selling a two-man race. And keep in mind, before this, you know, Jim Harbaugh was selling a three-man race with Dylan McCaffrey. Um, but I think there's some merit to this with, with Cade's name coming up time and again, not only from Josh Gass, but we've we've spoken to other Michigan players in the last couple of weeks about, and we've asked directly about Joe Milton, and they keep lumping Cade McNamara. And now poss- it's possible, the talking point, but I think there's some merit there to Cade McNamara making some steps here. Listen, I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair for Aaron to say that. And listen, our job is to just report on what we're hearing and we don't get to watch practice. So we can't really make these decisions for ourselves based on what we're seeing. And, you know, I guess to even though I said I kind of side with Ryan on this, it would not be crazy for a quarterback who's in his second year of the program to, you know, take win the job over a guy in his third year of the program who's thrown what, 11 career passes like this is not a clear cut oh, Milton was the next guy. It, it just seems like based on, I guess, you know, that extra year and the fact that he has been on the field a little bit more and we just didn't hear much about McNamara at all last year, that, it, that it's definitely Milton's job to lose. And my skepticism just more comes from this is the program's method of, of kind of addressing position groups, specifically quarterback. They don't want too much attention or focus on one guy, whether it's just for, you know, being hyped in the media or so their, you know, opponents, you know, uh, opposing teams are, are kind of kept uh, in the dark. But, you know, we had this with Shea Patterson too, where anytime you asked a question about Shea Patterson, the answer, whether you're, whether, whether it's a Michigan coach or player also then lumped in, I mean, who, who were the other quarterbacks at the time? I guess you would have had McCaffrey at the time and, um, you know, whoever else. They were always, same guys. Exactly. You'd mention these guys' names. Oh, yeah, Shea, he's a good runner. But let me tell you, Joe, he can do it like they and, – and Dylan is really good at this. Like, they, they made sure that, they, that it was a, viewed as a position group. And I think that comes from Harbaugh, who realizes, like, you're going to ask this about a, a specific player on the offensive line, say, or the linebacker core, a lot, a lot less. You kind of view those as groups, but quarterback, you know, you just, it just comes with the territory that you get more hype. So I think that just comes from Harbaugh. I would not expect a starter to be named at any point. They're not going to release that. They're just going to, we're going to see on the field on, uh, you know, October 24th that whoever takes, whoever takes the field. Do recall last year, Jim Harbaugh did come out pretty early in camp and, and declare Shea Patterson the starter. Right. Um, and that was, and, and that he was, was also the incumbent starter from the previous year, right, though, right. too. So this is, and that goes back to my original point. This is a different situation from last right, year. Right. I mean, these, these guys are unproven. Neither yeah. one has been a starter. Uh, neither one is, you, neither one you really know what you're getting any, getting out of. Uh, and, and I think yeah. that's what 
a little bit closer than previous years. I do concede that Joe Milton probably is the front runner and likely will start October 24th. But I don't think this is this is as big of a gap as you might think it is. I mean, Gannis also said that he he I mean he was going to reserve the right for, for Jim Harbaugh to release any starters, but he's like, yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't even name starters for receivers or running backs right now. When I think it's pretty clear that you know Ronnie Bell would be a starter. At receiver, if if Nico Collins does come back, he would be a clear starter at receiver. So I mean, I think it's just the the game they play at, at Michigan. Yeah, but Ronnie Bell has proven himself. I mean, he's played in games, he's made big catches, sure. and they played regularly. Neither two, neither one of these guys have. I think that's the point, you know, that we're missing here. Like these guys haven't played a ton. I think another telling comment though from from Gaddis yesterday was he, he admitted that that McNamara really struggled the first few the five or six days of, of practice. So I mean. There hasn't been that many days of practice for him to prove that. So just knowing that he, he did struggle a little bit even this this year coming in and didn't really look like he was ready for a bigger role kind of shows like he had a, a lot more catching up to do than, than maybe Milton to get to the level they need of their starting quarterback. So based on what I interpreted from yesterday's Zoom call, I would say 99.9% chance that Joe Milton starts against uh, – yeah, against Minnesota. Aaron is Aaron has kind of made me lean a little bit, you know, more towards. I just let's look at this. They were both they were both four star recruits. They were both top ten at their you know quarterbacks in their classes. Twenty eighteen for Milton, uh, twenty nineteen for McNamara. You know, as a prospect, he wasn't like that much uh, you know highly touted. You know, than compared to McNamara. You know, Milton's bigger, taller. You know, got these physical attributes. Fine, but again, he really hasn't been on the field all that much more. I mean, one more year in the program certainly helps, but. Um, I guess if you're just looking in this on paper, you know, why did you think that it was clearly going to be Milton? I guess because you thought it was Milton or McCaffrey. So therefore, McCaffrey's gone. It's got to be Milton. But, yeah, you kind of step back and you realize maybe it's not uh, so set in stone. And it's not a question. I mean, we've seen other major programs where younger guys, redshirt freshmen, true freshmen freshmen have been thrown in there at quarterback and played well. And I'm not, again, I'm not to say that McNamara is going to be the guy, because like I said, I, I think Milton will be. Yeah. Um, but it signals to me, if I'm reading between the lines here, this reading the tea leaves from Gaddis and some of these other people, that McNamara has made a step this offseason. Is it big enough to get a starting job? Probably not. Um, but Milton, it's going to be interesting here in the next month to see. And keep in mind, too, we haven't brought this, this point up either. They haven't played in pads yet. They haven't practiced in pads. Yes. And there's a difference between playing seven-on-seven seven and playing in pads and taking the contact. Now, Milton's bigger frame probably yeah. you know, go, goes to that better just because he can probably you know take some of those blows. Um, but w- when they get out there and, and run the playbook and run those plays and Josh Gash's spread offense, uh, who's going to react and who's going who's gonna to play better? they got a full month to figure that out. Uh, so I, I wouldn't, and to whoever said that earlier, I, I would not be surprised if a starter isn't named until the week of the game or even right before the game. But, you know, it's it's going to be interesting next month to kind of see how this, this plays out. Yes, well, that person will be Joe Milton, 100%. But let's talk about the wide receivers a little bit. Nico Collins, of course, you know, it's kind of, he's, he's the, the top dog, but we don't know if he's going to be, if he's going to be playing for Michigan this year. Um, you know, Gaddis deflecting like a like a head coach already you know when kind of asked about it I, I think he was asked point blank whether he's been back at practice since the season was reinstated and he never he never answered whether he had been which I think means that he probably hasn't been but yeah I guess what, what was your takeaway from what he said about Nico and then we can kind of get into the wide receivers in general I mean if we're reading between the lines again it sounds like Josh Gad or excuse me Nico Collins is not going to be playing for Michigan this fall that's not to say he won't be mm-hmm. uh, but the fact he's hired an NFL agent signals signals to me that he's serious about declaring for the draft and 
and getting ready for it. Now, could his mind change? Absolutely. I mean, all it takes, all it would take is, you know, uh, maybe a plea from Harbaugh, maybe some players to, to make the case. And maybe they have. Josh Gaddis did say he's spoken to, to Nico Collins several times here in the last few weeks to try and get his, his feeling on the situation. Uh, Josh wouldn't divulge that. And, he, you know, he said he wanted to be respectful of Nico and let Nico make his own announcement. But, you know, to me, I would, if you're Michigan, I, I would be surprised. And, you know, I would feel fortunate if, if Nico were to make a decision to come back. But at this point, given everything that happened with the Big Ten season, you know, being canceled and brought back, Nico, I would presume, looks at it like a safer, as a safer bet to just outright declare from the draft. But there were, you know, there were, there is reason to be optimistic about, about the group, even without, you know, Collins in the mix. Uh, I guess, you know, what were some of the, the names that, that, you know, popped up yesterday with, with Gaddis? I mean, I think just in general, one of the surprising comments Gaddis made was about this, the receiver room overall. I mean, he said it's one of the most impressive rooms that he's been around as far as depth and still, and that he didn't feel that way last year. And last year, there, if you remember, there was a former five-star guy named Donovan Peoples-Jones, there was Tariq Black, there was Nico Collins, all really highly touted prospects coming out of high school with a lot a longer track records than, than what Michigan has in that receiver room this year. But uh, I don't know if Gaddis is just selling high on his receivers at this point, but he seems really high on them. And it, there's going to be a lot of Ronnie Bell this year. We know that. But behind that, it's they're going to need Giles Jackson, uh, a group of sophomores to step up, and, and Giles Jackson and Cornelius Johnson and Mike Sandra still. And especially if Collins leaves, I mean, that leaves Johnson as the real, true, tall, vertical deep threat that can go win those 50-50 balls. So um, a lot of positive things he said about those those three sophomores and, and the true freshmen as well. Um, A.J. Henning, who was the top-ranked uh, signee in the 2022 class, and Roman Wilson. I mean – coaches and, and and players continue to rave about their speed now again that's all been without pads so far we'll see how they can handle the physical aspect of the transition to college football but we're probably going to see some some of them on the, some of those or both those two freshmen on the field this season for for michigan you nailed a good point you know jet when josh gas came in Tariq black donald people's jones nico Collins, none of them were recruited by josh i mean they're not josh gaddish receivers so to speak whereas some of these younger guys have only been in the program a year some of them were recruited directly by josh so he's he feels like he's probably closer and more familiar with their game and what they can do plus they kind of fit more more the mold of the offense he's trying to create at michigan and trying to run uh so i'm not surprised to hear him say that um but you know again actions will speak louder than than words come this fall presuming they can they can play again yeah, I mean, he, he talked about in speaking in the offense in general. I mean, he he said that you know the the, the keys that they're focusing on are limiting turnovers, uh, having more explosive plays. So you know, plays of whatever fifteen yards or more, give or take, um, and then a higher completion percentage. You know, for the for the quarterbacks. And I mean, these are things that we talked about ad nauseum last year uh, on this podcast and and in print which is just the self-inflicted wounds with the, with, with the fumbling issues. And then, yeah, failing Gaddis, this was more, you know, Gaddis, cause there's, there's more than one way to more than one way to get the ball in the end zone, but you know, kind of capitalizing on those big plays, whether it's in the pass game, when a guy breaks free, hitting them or, you know, turning that eight yard run into a, you know, 50 yard run if, if the opportunity is there. And sometimes it's a very fine line between, you know, doing those things and, and not doing those things. And, and I do think it all, gets back to what Caddis said multiple times yesterday is that this team needs to start hitting with pads. They haven't gotten there yet. Uh, what's the date for that to restart? It's coming up. It's next week. I think September 30th. 30th. Yeah. 
There you go. Um, and that'll be, that'll be huge for a team that, that struggled with that last year, you know, with fumbling issues and things like that. I mean, that'll be important for every team, but especially Michigan, you know, as you guys have mentioned multiple times, it'll really help you sort out your depth chart. Plenty of shoulder pads and helmets, uh, all-stars out there. I think I mentioned on this podcast before, I, I might've been one of them back in my day, but once, uh, you know, once, once the real live action begins, you kind of separate the real football players from the pretenders. So yeah, a lot to be Actually, learned in the next the couple of weeks. Line. Mm-hmm. You know, Josh Cass kind of went into that like you know yesterday when we spoke to him. You know, they they've got a lot of guys there. You call them old old heads, guys that have been in the program for a while but haven't necessarily played a ton. Yep. Um, and, and a lot of those spots are going to be filled you know, or figured out at least once they once they start hitting. Because again, they've they've done the Zoom meetings, they've they've memorized the playbook, they got the offenses down. But there's a difference between talking about it and doing and doing it individually than than doing it as a group and kind of putting it together as a collective. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely. Go ahead, Ryan. One thing, just just looking at at the personnel on this offense right now, I think with with an experience on the offensive line, they're gonna have an inexperienced quarterback, and with the type of receivers they have, a lot of these shorter, twitchier guys that that can do a lot of a lot, a lot of things with the ball in their hand. I think we're gonna see uh, a lot of either bubble screens or jet sweeps or quick slants or just there's not gonna be a lot of times where the quarterback drops back and looks to to th- take deep shots. I don't think we'll see that a lot this year, just based on the type of, of the personnel they have at, at this point, but we'll see. You know, the one group we haven't really hit on on this podcast yet, but, you know, that Gaddis obviously talked about what was the running backs. I think we should give them a, a little bit of time here at the end. I don't know what 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 that he said stood out because we know the names. Zach Charbonnet, Chris Evans is back. Hassan Haskins uh, is back. You've got then, Blake, Corm. You know, Blake Corm, incoming freshman. Yeah, I mean – did he say anything that kind of surprised you or, or even if not, you know, what, what can rem- we remind our listeners um, about that position group? Well, they're healthy. And that was one of the, one of the key things I think Josh hammered home yesterday was that, you know, throughout the year, Charbonnet was banged up. Hassan was banged up at the beginning of the year, you know, as a unit, as a group, they weren't hundred percent healthy the entire season, which is probably one of the reasons why you saw them go away from the passing game in some of those games and have to rely on Shea Patterson's arm and, and the receivers. Uh, so the, the fact that they're deep and they've got talented guys that have played back there before and, and, and they're all healthy to our knowledge, that probably speaks well for Michigan's offense because look, especially early on, no matter who the quarterback is, no matter who's starting in the offensive line, they're probably gonna have to run, rely on the, on the run game more so than the passing game. So to have those guys healthy and ready to go, I think speaks volumes and it's going to help at least early in the season. All right. I mean, I think we've, we've done a fairly uh, comprehensive job covering uh, the current roster as it relates to the offense. Let's look, let's look a little bit uh, to the future. There's been some, some recruiting news lately, some comings and goings. Ryan, why don't you fill our listeners in on, on what they need to know recently in Michigan football recruiting? Yeah, I think we'll start off with, with a decommitment last week. They received their, their second decommitment in that 2021 class. Um, not a, a huge loss. I don't think they lost three-star linebacker Casey Feeney, uh, Finney uh, out of, out of uh, Massachusetts. So he, he flipped to, to Boston College and – I mean, it's not really a, a surprise. I think we might have talked about this a little bit last week. I mentioned that it's a possibility just because uh, he was really close. He's high school teammates with Drew Kendall, one of Michigan's top offensive lineman targets in the class. And he kind of, Michigan kind of shied away from him a little, a little bit. He kind of soured on Michigan and is now likely a Boston College lean. So it looks like Feeney's headed, headed out to Boston College and Kendall might be joining him. Um, but it, Michigan already has three commitments at the linebacker position who are ranked much higher. I mean, Feeney wasn't even ranked in the top 1,000 
in the nation. So, I mean, if anything, I think it opens the door for Michigan to add uh, a better prospect, either at a different position or, or at the linebacker position in this class, or they can still save uh, a scholarship for, for next year. So I don't think it's a huge loss, but it is, it is an interesting topic just based on, he was one of the guys that was never able to visit Ann Arbor. And there's plenty of other mission commits right now that haven't been to Ann Arbor, whether it's Jaden McBurrows or Jaden Hood, a four-star linebacker out of Florida, uh, Jaden McBurrow is a cornerback. Both of the California wide receiver commits, Christian Dixon and Xavier Worthy, they have not been able to take take a tour of, of uh, campus yet. And with them try, likely signing in December during the early signing period, the recruiting dead period just was extended through January 1st. So that they might have to rely on or sign at a school they've never been to before. Um, now, I, I did talk with uh, Xavier Worthy yesterday, and he said he's planning on taking his own uh, visit to Michigan or Ann Arbor in October, along with Christian Dixon to kind of just tour the campus on their own. But they're not going to be able to get into the facilities or meet with the coaches, which is a major factor. So I wouldn't be surprised. We, we spoke with Bryce Marich, a recruiting reporter for the Michigan Insider last week, that if, if there's another guy or two that decides to stay closer to home, um, and, and flip his commitment to a, a school closer to home just because of this pandemic. So that's something to watch moving forward. With that said, they did add a new 2022 commitment, three-star tight end Marlon Klein out of Georgia. Um, he's, he's a guy that is, is originally from Germany and has only played football for four years, uh, six foot six, 215 pounds. Uh, right, he, He's played a receiver most of the time in high school so far but he'll likely translate to a tight end at the next level. And I spoke with this coach the other day and he raved about his athletic ability. I mean, this guy's got long strides, showed the ability to, to separate on his highlight film and, and he has showed pretty good hands. Um, it's just a matter of, of understanding of offenses more and getting accustomed, accustomed to the game more. So we'll see how he, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of raises the rises in the rankings at some point. Again, he's he's only a junior, so a, a lot of time to improve his stock there. And, and his team opens the 2020 season on Friday, so we'll, he'll be uh, get a little bit more of information and tape on him as as the season goes on. You know, I'll give a little plug for our sub- subscription service here at M Live. You know, Ryan had. He was all over the commitment right away with the story that had, you know, it was useful with some background information on, on, on the player, but, you know, then followed it up, if not next day, the day after with, you know, more in-depth look at, you know, this guy's story and what he brings to Michigan and putting it in context. And as you mentioned, speaking to it, to his coach. So, and that's the kind of thing that you're going to get, you know, with our subscription service, you know, you can still get, I got to say the bare bones and more of the meat and potatoes kind of stories that, that you're going to get, you know, even without paying, but, you know, if you if you're you're a bigger fan and you want to kind of learn that ne- get to that next level of, of insight and analysis, there is a cost for it. And you know, we appreciate any any of those who, who do sign up. And you're not just getting our stuff when you do that. By the way, it opens you up to uh, content throughout M Live, uh, which is of course not just sports, but you know, plenty of you know coronavirus related stories and politics and and all that stuff. So, but uh, all right, yeah, Aaron, did you have anything to add as far as the recruiting front, or was there any other other news you wanted to share, Ryan? Uh, I think that was it. We, we we will speak with Ronnie Bell and, and Cam McGrone later today, so we expect more inter, expect more stories and Michigan football related uh, content on MLive.com. You know, over the next twenty four to forty eight hours. 
Just realized one month until the season opener. That's, That's right. True. Exactly That's right. one month we'll be having uh, fallen to our rhythm of, of previewing games and uh, and recapping them. So absolutely look for hopefully. Uh, yeah, look for a little yeah. Big Ten, look for a little Big Ten uh, early look tomorrow on MLive.com. Looking at all all fourteen teams in case you know you kind of had forgotten about. Oh wait, which which you know you probably know Ohio State's good. You probably know Rutgers isn't going to be so good. But you know what about what about these other teams at Michigan and, and it's going to be facing this year? Find out tomorrow on MLive.com. All right, thanks for listening to this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast.